The boarding pass is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. It's a one, two-tap checkout system that's as fast as you need. You're in, you're out in just two taps. And best yet, it's not just sports and Jets tickets. Anything that comes through on stage, theater, music, all the different events that come through Bell MTS Place, you would be covered for by Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, it's quick, and it's easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the December 5th episode of The Boarding Pass. We've got you covered for all things Winnipeg Jets this week. This is Murata Tesh. Ken Weeb is joining us as always as well. And this particular podcast, it's largely about words. Words that hurt, words that can make us feel better sometimes, and then words that have the potential to set off fireworks in the case of one young Patrick Laine and what some of the things he set off earlier this week about the Winnipeg Jets opponent tonight, the Dallas Stars. Ken, how are you doing today? How's Dallas treating you? Oh, everything is uh, excellent on this end, Murat. Uh, how about yourself? Hey, things look good to me in Winnipeg. We just had a snowfall, but it was light. Uh, lots of bulletin board material here in Jetsland of late. Before we get into that, with respect to Patrick Laine and his comments, we got a lot of quick hit updates in terms of Jetsland these days, which could change the entire look of the fourth line. What's the latest on from Morning Skate today and moving forward about Spiza, Bolu, Bork, Appleton, Nick Shore? What's going on? What's the latest, Ken? Sure, you bet. I mean, first and foremost, I think uh, Lucas Spiza is in the lineup after uh, <laughs> taking an uncomfortable uh, leg slash skate below the belt uh, late in the last game from uh, Alex Radulov, uh, who has created some news of his own uh, this morning, uh, being a healthy scratch uh, by the Dallas Stars. Jim Montgomery handled uh, the flip side uh, fairly well. I think it was a bit of a surprise when he didn't take the line rushes today, but uh, he will be sitting out uh, in a bit of a message-sending maneuver uh, by the Dallas Stars, who have fallen on some hard times of late after a remarkable run. Uh, back to the Jets. Nathan Bull, you a little bit ahead of schedule, I guess. I mean, uh, originally the Jets didn't expect him to be available until the weekend, but Bull, you will draw in for Carl Dahlstrom on Thursday night in the uh, rematch with the Stars. And other than that, there will be no lineup changes. Uh, Nick Shore did arrive. He did skate this morning and uh, spoke to the media as well here today. But Paul Maurice mentioning he just wants Shore to to watch this one from up above. And there are a few uh, systemic uh, adjustments he'll need to make in uh, in playing the Jets system. And uh, when he believes he's ready for that, he'll be in the lineup. I mean, for me, I think Shore has been acquired to play. Uh, uh, at least in the interim, uh, at, at some point he may slide into that 13th forward role. But for me, I think the Jets claimed him off waivers uh, to move into the middle, even though he said he could play the wing as well. Uh, you and I have discussed this a lot. I think the Jets uh, should, and I think they will be sending David Gustafson uh, to the World Junior Championship, where he will play a prominent role as a member of Team Sweden. Uh, I think that's the right play. I think it's the, I mean, it's not a safe play. It's a smart play, and it's one where I think uh, Gustafsson will really benefit from playing uh, with his peer group. Uh, Obviously, 
Uh, I think he has done a nice job in getting ready for his 22nd NHL game after sitting out early in his career, uh, got into a bit of a steady rhythm. But uh, for me, even though Paul Maurice has said he's training for his his role that he'll break into the NHL in as a fourth-line center, uh, I see greater value in him spending a couple weeks with Team Sweden where he's touching the puck a lot, where he's playing top six minutes, where he's on the power play, penalty kill, uh, and being more of a, a dominant player and touching the puck a little bit more than he has been uh, on the fourth line, which, uh, I mean, to be frank, has had very limited production and uh, done, I mean, little more than tread water. And uh, a lot of time that boat has taken in a lot of water. Uh, I mean, nothing official for the time being, but I do think that the shore move was, uh, I mean, certainly a precursor to what we will see with David Gustafson uh moving forward and I guess the other little nugget coming out of today was that uh, Nick Shore played uh, occasionally on a line with Andre Chibisov last year uh, in the KHL with um, Metallurg Magnitogorsk so oh wow uh, as we as as we talk about uh, the potential of shaking a few things up on the fourth line uh, that is a name that we have discussed uh, quite a bit as well uh, I think at some point I mean I don't think the familiarity was a big factor in the decision but uh, I think that we could see those two uh, playing together with Mason Appleton at some point. Again, Appleton skated today, uh, as did Gabriel Bork, who graduated into the uh, regular jersey today. But again, on a, on a morning skate optional day, there is not going to be a lot of contact anyway. So, But Bork uh, you know, could be ready as early as next week. Appleton could play as early as Sunday. Uh, so I, I, I do think there are changes coming to the fourth line. And uh, I mean, I think that those changes are probably... Uh, going to be welcome uh, on a lot of fronts. Uh, I mean, what do you think uh, about the prospect of things sort of shifting a little bit when it comes to that fourth line? Yeah, I think we're at the point where it's time, and I think that uh, Paul Maurice and his staff recognizes it. Yesterday in Winnipeg, Paul Maurice was asked about the fourth line and where Nick Shore might slot in. He praised his ability to not just defend well, which he does, and I think he's a defense-first player, but move the puck up the ice after they recover it in a way that maybe the fourth line hasn't necessarily succeeded at so far this season. Um, And he praised the fourth line's work ethic, but didn't necessarily imply that there were any great results there because there certainly haven't been. Uh, And you and I have talked about that. And you mentioned uh, Andre Chibisov, pardon me, and then uh, Jansen Harkins as well, who's just having, uh, well, an AHL player of the month season um, and, and a phenomenal season so far. Uh, so there, those looks, Nick Shore, possibility of Chibisov, the idea that um, Appleton and now Bork are progressively dodgy, dodging those uh, non-contact jerseys, it seems like there's a shakeup. And to me, that's a, it's a good thing, not just because you'll be able to ideally play them for more than five or six minutes a night, not just because ideally that will lead to just a little bit less time in their own zone because that fourth line has largely been buried despite working their asses off, uh, but they've been buried. And and I think that we're at a point where that, that leads to a change. And then with Gustafson as well, 100%, I'm with you. Um, the idea that with the World Juniors, there's a top six role there. And as you wrote earlier this season too, there's a pretty big role for him in Sweden as well if uh, he should be returned to the SHL and and that's I think a a key point that you mentioned touches and timing and all those sorts of things Um, timing wise it's kind of funny to me that there would be a home and home with Dallas right now because Patrick Laine scored again 
against the Stars the other night. He had one called back. He buried another, a deke late in the game. Um, it was a beautiful three-on-two that was turned into a two-on-one that was turned into a Patrick Line breakaway that he finished. And then when it was all said and done, he said, thank God they're in our division because he's dominated that team on the goal sheet, on the goal scoring sheet for so long, ever since he came into the career. Ken, you've covered this game longer than I have. What does this do for the bulletin board? And will there be repercussions for Patrick Laine in tonight's game and, and moving forward every time he plays against these guys? Yeah, I mean, for me, Murata, now I know that that, uh, that theory is certainly out there, but I mean, I was in the Stars room this morning and I didn't hear one player talking about Patrick Laine or his bulletin board material. I mean, that's not to say that privately a player or two might, might have sort of turned their nose at a comment like that, but... For me, I think the context is probably more important than the, I, I understand if you just read those words. I mean, having been in the scrum, you were there as well. Uh, Patrick never been shy about sharing his opinion, but I mean, in this situation, for me, I don't think there was any malice or, uh, you know, a carving intent uh, involved in that conversation. Uh, I think Patrick at one point made fun of his own bad hands on his own goal. He talked about <laughs> yeah. a dumb penalty that he took. He certainly praised the Dallas Stars when uh, Paul Friesen brought up the fact that the Jets have dominated the season series of late. So uh, for me, I think you have a colorful player who uh, in the same conversation was was basically making fun of his his own play. Uh, and shooting ability, I think, uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is he didn't give a bland, canned answer about not knowing why he's had success against Dallas. He basically was saying, uh, for me, my interpretation was more along the lines of, if I didn't have the Dallas Stars in this division, my numbers would be suffering. Uh, so for me, I, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think that uh, Patrick Line was putting the Dallas Stars on blast uh, <laughs> like some other folks may have. And, and for me, I, I just don't see it. I mean, the, the NHL has changed. I mean, uh, in terms of bulletin board material, I don't think there is a lot of genuine... Yeah, there are still some great rivalries and there is some genuine dislike and or hate. But uh, although the Jets are already seeing Dallas for the fourth time this year, uh, and they do have a, a rivalry to a degree, I don't think... Uh, I certainly would be... Co- pouring cold water on any theory that uh, the Dallas Stars will spend the majority of their night chasing around Patrick Laine for uh, hurting their feelings about whatever the quote was uh, related. I mean, for me, this was even less of a storyline than uh, when the Vancouver Canucks uh, video game stuff came out and Patrick Laine uh, was was talking about that and sort of said, uh, I mean, that's unfortunate or whatever the lawn, the lines were. Uh, on that front so uh, I don't reasonable as rain sir yes well I mean that's not to say that I mean might Jamie Ben take a run at Patrick Laine tonight sure but but not because he said something mean or derogatory Uh, I mean for me I think uh, my first reaction having been around Patrick for now this is the fourth season been around him I mean he was giving a colorful answer to a bland question that uh, if the Dallas Stars knew how to contain Patrick Laine, they wouldn't have allowed him to score 18 goals in 16 <laughs> games. So, uh, I mean, if it was as easy as just rolling out the red carpet when Dallas played Winnipeg, I mean, that that doesn't happen either. I mean, it just some guys score against some teams. 
Uh, other guys can't buy one against certain goalies. Uh, I mean, to me, this is this is going to be a very much ado about nothing storyline. But uh, that's not to say we won't be following it. But uh, I mean, the it's Stars got their such own issues. Convenient timing, though, isn't it, Ken? It's just funny to me that it would be back to back in this sort of way and uh, coming on a, in a on a almost a playoff-like schedule in that there's a game, an off day, and then another game. Um, so I'll be honest, I, I make a little bit more of it. And, and deep down emotionally, I think that you've, you've read the scene exactly right. Um, you know what else I, I find funny about it being Dallas specifically is because he's got a good buddy in Rope Hints that he grew up with in Tampere, like in, in Finland, and, and went to the same school for, for a couple of years as well, um, playing sports on that team as well. So... It's fun to watch them joke and laugh and, and sort of prod at each other uh, in this way. Eh? Like that, that, I guess what I'm getting from you is that you yourself are not being particularly thin-skinned about it, and you really don't expect any of the guys to be that way as well. No, exactly. And I mean, Jim Montgomery didn't talk about it. No players that I had been in a few of the scrums inside the room. I mean, Jamie Benn certainly wasn't standing up and saying, oh, that Patrick Laine, we're going to get him. I mean, the NHL just has changed so much. And I mean, could a, could, a, could a comment like this have sparked a line brawl five years ago, 10 years ago? Sure, but I, I would have said that was an overreaction at the time as well. I mean, the Stars don't need any motivation to play tonight. Uh, they've lost four games in a row. Yes, one of them was in a shootout, but I mean, they went from the hottest team in hockey to losing four in a row, and they've scratched one of their top six forwards. So uh, my, my take on the situation is that simply that the Stars have bigger issues than to worry about uh, a comment that could or may or may not have been construed as uh, negative towards their team. I mean, again, I think that Liney was simply saying he's enjoyed a lot of success against the Stars. Uh, he'd love to play them more based on the based on his uh, history of results, and it's not a small sample anymore with it six, being 16 games. Uh, he certainly would welcome more games against the Stars because they've been the team that he's scored the most goals against. I mean, that's a, a natural reaction, and to be perfectly honest, in a league where uh, players being colorful uh, isn't always uh, at the top of the priority list for the players. Uh, I am not going to car. I'm not going to say one bad thing about Patrick Laine, nor am I going to overreact about the situation. And and I don't think other players would be either. Yeah, and bless his quotable heart for staying so funny and entertaining this far into his career. Uh, never change, Patrick. If you're out there, um, Ken. Here's a quick question for how many people follow you on Twitter? Like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, something of this effect. Like uh, getting up there. Um, what do we got oh, here? More than twenty thousand people follow you on Twitter right now. So yeah, where why I'm going there with this is is that if you post an opinion of any kind, Patrick Liney had a good game. Blake Wheeler yeah. is having a good season. Such and such player is not having a good season. You're going to hear 20,000 different responses to it. Some of them are going to be uh, agreeing with you no matter what. Some will disagree with you no matter what. There's going to be that, that big middle as well. And, and it's such a vocal sort of uh, you know, atmosphere, I guess, Twitter, uh, Twitter would be. And just a second ago, you were absolutely not th- thin-skinned about the line thing. Um, what's your response to situations where you've got an opinion and you know you've come out and you've said that such you know this is what I think about this, and then the the wave of criticism happens. 
maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. And what 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 have you learned from this uh, as you've become such a vet? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, it, it's natural to uh, you know either get your back up or cringe when when someone provides a, a, a an attack on one of your opinions. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day. I mean, you gotta you gotta brush it off. I I I still engage. I engage with people whether they they agree or disagree with my opinion. I try to explain a little bit further why I may have said opinion and why I think that their interpretation is incorrect. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, most of the debates uh, on the old uh, social media or Twitter machine are, are pretty reasonable, I would say. And uh, the odd time if someone uh, takes a personal attack. Uh, you either kill them with kindness or you block them and move on. But uh, I, don't, I have not blocked a lot of people, nor do I plan to. So uh, it certainly is a, it can be a fine line. Uh, I mean, even too, in our, in our comments section on The Athletic, uh, for the most part, people are pre- pretty reasonable. But I mean, the odd time people uh, either take a shot at, at the work or at the player that you may be writing about. So, I mean, hey, opinions are welcome whether I agree with them or not and uh, I think we'll stick with that plan going forward but uh, before we move on from line A uh, you wrote a really good story about his tattoos I mean there is a connection to Rope Hints there as well Uh, uh, what did you learn doing that story and uh, what did you learn about the ink that he uh, added this summer as he got ready for uh, a pretty important season for him both uh, on and off the ice yeah, <laughs> this was a fun one to do for sure. Patrick Line sort of walking us through his his tattoos. He's got a a full sleeve, not quite complete, but he's got his upper right arm done, his uh, most of his forearm done, and then and then parts just that he's waiting to fill in. It was one of the first things I noticed when he came back uh, and after he got his RFA or, or he got his extension signed. Um, and all of a sudden, Patrick Liney's got ink. So what does a young man from Finland with the world at his disposal and a brand new contract on the way um, get on his arm and commit to for life? Uh, he was sort of, to me, the, con- the Finnish equivalent of a Canadian getting a giant maple leaf on his arm because he got a, a just a beautiful graphically done lion sort of looking ferocious and roaring. That's the entirety of his upper arm. And the reason for that is that it's a reference to the Finnish national team, the Lions in Finnish. Uh, so he was basically being as, as patriotic as possible with that one and also getting kind of a cool animal. He said that it represents him in a way because he likes to feel like he's hunting or being aggressive in, in terms of being on the ice. And, um, I kind of asked him if it had anything to do with his, uh, you know, aggression in in a physical sense as well, because that's been a fun thing for him this year is sort of um, throwing the body around in the offensive zone and the defensive zone as well. And he was all over it. He said that absolutely that there's an aggression to his game that uh, that might not get played as much played up as much by folks like us, but it's definitely a part of his identity. And then symbol by symbol, he went through it. The the pieces up at uh, at the athletic. I just. I thought it was fun for me to to hear that it was just a conversation. He's been quietly admiring Hintz's tattoos for a while. And Ken, I don't know if you've you've seen this one, but Sean Shapiro uh, out in in Dallas had a great Rope Hintz tattoo piece as well, or a feature from a visit to Finland earlier. And I guess he's just known for this stuff. And he's got quietly like a a big influence on the on the Finnish hockey community in terms of the tattoos they're getting. And and that's going to be a fun one to, to dig into as well. Did you get a chance to have a look at the pictures? And what do you think of all this stuff? I don't know where you stand on tattoos in general and, and line A specifically. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I did notice the same thing, and I did speak briefly. Uh, it was funny. I mean, Patrick was sort of not not trying. He was sort of trying to downplay the tattoos when we spoke briefly about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I interesting for sure. I mean, uh, my sister Tracy's got a lot of tattoos, and uh, I mean, I I don't have any personally, but I mean, I have nothing against them, and I think that uh, as a way to express oneself, it's a, a good way to do things. I'm sure and. Uh, just in the room today, I did notice the, the you know the matching tattoo that uh, Hens has. I mean, it, it's sharp, and I mean, hey, if he's if he's if he is a Finnish influencer of the tattoos, uh, so be it. I mean, I gained an incredible appreciation for Hens's uh, all-around game uh, last year during the playoffs when I covered that second-round series between the Stars and St. Louis Blues that went to double overtime in Game Seven before Pat Maroon scored. I mean, I thought that Ropa Hints was one of the breakout players. Uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, so even though he only played two rounds. I mean, his speed is just absolutely at an out, outstanding level. I mean, I put him at a, a Nikolai Ehlers a conversation piece. I mean, I think he's a great skater. I mean, he's coming back from injury, obviously. But, uh, I mean, this guy is a, is going to grow into a, a real force, I believe. And uh, spoke with his AHL coach, Derek Laxdahl, a Manitoba product, uh, about him last year during the playoffs. And, uh, I think that Hintz is going to just be a flat-out, uh, you know, could be a flat-out star at some point here during his career as well. One of the players that was looking dangerous against Winnipeg. One of the few players of the Dallas Stars looking particularly dangerous against Winnipeg on, on Tuesday night as well. So I kind of I, I agree with your read uh, on Hintz. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan as well. The the card uh, the cards that he has as well. I think the column. Uh, the Joker, is that right? Is that the nickname? I got to double check my own work, I think, um, to, to make sure I've got his nickname right. But it inspired Line's tattoos as well. And mm-hmm. then he got, he got a, pardon me, he got a Joker on, on his uh, his arm. And it's because he sees himself as a wild card. And he, to use his words, a game changer. Um, it, he calls himself like wild card stuff. And then the rest of the cards that he has is just because they look cool. And you know what? Uh, as a young man with uh, the opportunity to do that, by all means, get stuff that looks cool as far as, uh, as, far as I'm concerned. Uh, just another example of many of Patrick Laine being just that full of personality. Um, you mentioned Nick Ehlers' name. I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on him because I, I, I know that you and I have talked a lot about just the, the step forward that he's taken and to me, to my mind, he's one of the MVP candidates for this team. You know, uh, other than Connor Hellebuck, Ehlers would be among the the front runners. Uh, what what are your thoughts on him, and what uh, what what is your take on his season? I know you've shared a, a few things so far. Yeah, you bet. I mean, I think that Nikolai Ehlers uh, was a man on a mission uh, from the moment uh, he stepped to the podium. Uh, and explained how he basically played game six on one leg, uh, you know, against the St. Louis Blues, and it, it didn't go well uh, for him. Um, I mean, some people question, a, it's classic. I mean, some people questioning whether you should play through injury, whether you should not play if you can't, but I mean, this is a guy that did everything that he could to get on the ice and felt that he could contribute. I mean, obviously it impacted his skating, but I mean, I'd much, unless you're putting yourself in further damage, uh, which I don't think that Ehlers was doing, uh, I applaud him for wanting to be in the lineup. And I mean, this is a guy who wanted to, wanted to do whatever he could to help his team. Uh, and I love the way that he's handled 
two disappointing playoffs for himself personally, uh, engaging in, you know, watching every single shift that he took uh, last season over the course of the summer when he was back home. Uh, his training obviously uh, was at a high level after he got healthy. Uh, I think that his game has evolved uh, a great deal. I mean, you and <laughs> you were there with me when we asked Blake when I asked Blake Wheeler about what he's seen uh, in terms of Patrick going to the dirty areas. Uh, I mean, obviously Blake uh, did lead. Uh, I'm interpreting it as a joking matter, but the fact <laughs> of the matter is that is that playing with Blake Wheeler has helped Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, uh, not only become a better all-around player, uh, enhance his work ethic, and also, uh, I mean, just taking his game to a, to another level. And, I mean, Blake was also quick to point out that uh, I mean, Nikolai Ehlers is getting to areas that he didn't previously go to very often. And uh, when I brought that up with Nikolai Ehlers today for a story that will drop on The Athletic uh, Friday morning about this very topic, uh, Ehlers... Ehlers first chuckled and then was quick to admit that uh, when he was a member of the Halifax Mooseheads uh, for two seasons in the QMJHL, uh, he did not spend any time in the dirty areas because he didn't need to. Uh, he had the skill to score at will. Uh, I mean, being a perimeter player when you have that much talent is uh, not abnormal for many young players. And uh, he had admitted that he figured it out that he had to go the majority of the goals in the NHL are not scored off the rush they're not scored on long slap shots uh, like the pretty one that he had on Henrik Lundqvist for his first NHL goal at Madison Square Garden those are the exception rather than the rule and uh, occasionally you just got to go to the net and uh, when a deflection attempt hits you in the shin pads you bury the puck that's at your feet I mean uh, that that's just part of the deal they're not always going to be flashy three on twos and and beautiful backdoor conversions and I mean I applaud Ehlers for uh, that recognition I mean I know that the narrative was starting I mean, it was still more at that whispering level but uh, you heard it, and so did I, uh, on whether it's on social media or on talk radio or whatever. Uh, some people starting to wonder, well, you know, maybe Nikolai Ehlers is one of those guys that's incredibly skilled, but maybe he can't produce at that level when it comes to playoff hockey. And, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm pretty sure that I thought the small the sample size was way too small to make that widespread a notion uh, after essentially two playoff uh, runs, uh, especially with a guy that has that much, uh, you know, play driving ability, uh, zone entry, all of the talents that he has. Now he's out of the defensive element where he's using his incredible speed as a weapon in terms of back pressure, back checking, being in better position, taking a hit to make a play, then using that acceleration and speed to get up ice with Blake Wheeler and Jack Roslevic. Uh, I've been absolutely blown away by how well uh, Nikolai Ehlers has played this year. Uh, I love his perspective, his maturity level. Um, one of the last things he said in my interview today was that he knows there will be times when he'll go through dry spells again, even though it's going great right now, but he's much better equipped to handle them. And he also realizes the other things that he can do with his game in order to contribute, even on the nights where he is not producing uh, at or near a point a game level which is is basically uh, you know he's just a little bit below that or 0.75 or whatever it is right now uh, to me he's shown tremendous maturity and and I think that honestly 
as well as he's played, I think he's just scratching the surface. And and this is the kind of level we can come to expect from Nikolai Ehlers uh, going forward. And I think pretty quickly that debate over whether $6 million is too much for Nikolai Ehlers or whether he maybe should have been considered to be moved for one of those top four defensemen, uh, that is quickly been thrown out the window and as you mentioned now he's more of an MVP candidate and a guy who I think is for surely going to challenge 30 goals but I think that with the shooting mentality that he has adopted I think I would not think that 40 is an outrageous number in terms of what he can reach at some point during his career just a special season so far and in, in what you're describing to um, is something that I, I think should just be commended about any person. I mean, we're, that, that reference to Halifax, and he, he's, he scored almost two points per game in the queue. I'm not going to argue with where he shoots from in, the, in, in juniors. Um, but to then identify as a 23-year-old man that there's still room to improve, that there are these aspects of his game that he hasn't quite worked in at the NHL level. And I mean, one side of defense is just having the puck in good places that is not in your own zone. And Nick Ehlers has has almost always been terrific at that. But the other side being that in-zone coverage, the back pressure, the the physicality needed to win battles, the physicality needed to win battles to go into the offensive zone and and pick pucks off the wall. He's been able to do all that this year. And I think that the impressive thing to me is that he was able to decide it and then do it. Because how many habits are there out there in the world that you have uh, that are just so hard to untrain and relearn and all of those sorts of things? And at 23 years old, he was going to take a step forward. But I think the step forward that he's taken has impressed all of us. And hopefully, I would say, silenced those critics that you referenced as well. Because he's one of the, the very many special young players that, that Winnipeg has. And he's sort of approaching what should be a nice run of peak years uh, from 23, 24, 25, all these years that are going to fill out the rest of his contract. Myself, I'm a fan of the contract. I think it's a value deal as well. So basically, Ken, all the things that you just said, I agree with. I think that there's there's something special uh, going on in the career of Nick Ehlers, and, and people are putting being put on notice right now. Uh, Ken, you and I, we've just talked about a few of the key uh, topics about Winnipeg Jets hockey right now. Uh, that's for the the public free audience. Thank you everybody for being here for checking that out. You do know that we've got a full version unlocked at the Athletic of the boarding pass, where we're going to be able to talk about some of Blake Wheeler's most recent comments, where he gets very introspective with Pierre LeBron and Scott Burnside. I'm going to tell you all about how I was wrong and why, uh, and a whole lot more. We've got the full version coming right up. For the moment, for Ken Weeb, I'm Murata Tesh. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening to The Boarding Pass. Check out that full version, but we'll talk with you next time uh, on The Boarding Pass.